You pierce the darkness with the fiercest light. Welcome back to the Neon Woman podcast. It is time for another Neon Conversation. This week, I am joined by Kimberly Ann Bell. Kimberly is an author, a public speaker, and a minister. She joins me on the podcast to discuss her origin story, being adopted as a child, the childhood trauma that she experienced, her path to adulthood after those experiences, her journey within the church and finding God, her memoir, The Epitome of Kimmy, what it means to be a neon woman, and so much more. Kimberly hopes to use her life story to raise awareness of difficult topics and to empower and inspire others who may have experienced the same as her. Her story truly is inspiring and empowering and I don't really want to describe it for her because I feel like she does such an amazing job of telling the story herself during our conversation. I apologise for the beeping that occurs in the background of this episode. I tried to edit out what I assume is the sound of a smoke detector, but... It was impossible to edit out the noise without compromising the actual interview. So hopefully it's not too distracting. I hope you enjoy our chat. Here it is. Just a trigger warning before we begin. This episode does contain some discussion of child abuse. Kimberly, welcome to the Neil Woman podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always like to start with the same question for everyone, because we're all known in life for what we do in the world. But I'd love to know, who is Kimberly, aside from what you do? I'm a very passionate person about life and about um, investing in yourself and um, uh, living the moment and um, as um, I released my first memoir, um, accepting and embrace it all, even where you're at, at the present. So that's really the niche of me besides uh, full time, you know, uh, employee work for the state and have four adult children and one minor. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and six grandkids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I love what you say about uh, learning to live in the present moment. That's something that is a struggle for me, but I'm definitely trying to adopt more of because you do have to be thankful for the present moment, even if it's right. not exactly where you want to be at this time. Right, yeah. And it is, it can be. And um, it took me to release my memoir to accept, first of all, my past and um, my foundation and just how my epitome came about, how I naturally uh, was able to see forms of um, chapters or seasons in my life to create the essence of truly me and my personality, my characteristics, just how I was created. And um, so, you know, um, it was a struggle to, um, like you said, uh, it was a process to, first of all, accept that and live in the moment with um, unexpected um, expectations um, and um, enjoy, enjoy it, um, gravitate and embrace uh, those that love me, um, those that support me, not necessarily from where I thought that they should come from, but that when they come, <laughs> 
<laughs> embrace it. And um, then, you know, like I said, first of all, invested in myself, be proud of me. I, it, you know, it took a process to, um, just like this event I was telling you about. So I wanna share a little bit of the personal testimony. Like I got myself together, I bought my ticket. Um, I'm going by myself. Um, I'm um, entering, uh, uh, well, no one's carrying me or dropping me off. I'm going by myself. And this is like an unfamiliar territory for me. Um, would I would I want it to be differently with someone on my arm, my lifetime partner? Yes, but getting back to what we just said, I'm embracing this opportunity and not looking at what, how it could be, but how it just really is. <laughs> and yeah. be thankful and and be grateful and feel blessed for the opportunity because so many of us um like this one earthly life that we have once it's over it's over mm. it's over so so yeah. so yeah i'm excited and i was just telling one of my adult daughters that i tried my best to get um a couple of my girlfriends to come on board it's uh like I said, uh, it's an event. It's the 1920s and 30s that's in our hometown um, renaissance. And um, you had to dress. And I just got so excited and hyped up. And I was like looking at different on YouTube's the 1930s. And um, I got on Amazon and I was like, okay, I'm going to get this dress. And I see what shoes they're wearing and da, da, da. But I couldn't get anybody on board. And that was for a reason. So God always, you know, takes us through um, situations and circumstances and um, complete that full fulfilled purpose of our life to um, we, we shouldn't never second guess our moment and why it's like it is mm. because truly it's a reason God may know and you may never but it's truly a reason so I believe my reason is you know they're embracing this is I'm living my motto I'm living my walk so that I can tell other women and I can tell other men that um as you were saying it's a process but I can tell you what I just experienced and I lived it yeah, everything happens for a reason as it's <laughs> yeah. supposed to. Good and right. Bad. Yes. Well, I'd love to go back to your origin story a little bit because I, I'm, I'm always interested to learn about how somebody was brought up in the world and whether that has influenced the journey that you, you're on now or that you were on to get to today. Brought up in the world? Yeah. Um, with my foundation, my journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah, it's, um, well, being um, dropped off to my, um, I didn't know at that time, but they ended up being kinship. They were my um, paternal aunt and her husband. And um, from both parents living living with them up until five and knowing that they were um, bound to me. I knew from birth up until five, these are two people that are supposed to love me, protect me, take care of me, mm -hmm. nourish, you know, give me the nourishment and, and the, um, and the um, quality of life, um, not to be just dropped off and never come back mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to take. Um, so that, uh, shaped my foundation of the rejection and abandonment and um, am I even worthy for someone to fight for and I you know I struggle with that process of um, um, seeing if even in relationships it, it, are are, am, are you willing to fight for a relationship are you really you know uh, you have that personality or that characteristic inside that uh, you want um, the the relationship with me mm -hmm. um and it, it it's maybe overcompensated with that because of I've, I've accepted where my foundation from that originated so like I have um you know uh, I advocate for mental health because I've had to seek that throughout my journey and I wholeheartedly um suggest and recommend it um, it took me from one season to another in my life. And if it had not been for those two um, in my life, I wouldn't be, you know, their assistance, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. But, um, and um, 
I would say that that, you know, um, with venting and, and getting that understanding and accepting um, from that shaping that uh, she, she'll, you know, kind of get me to a realistic that makes me, makes me not, even with it being so strong and passionate and overcompensated, but not be so demanding and aggressiveness and unhealthy towards me, if you can understand what I mean, as far as relationships, but that is understandable that that is one of my criterias. And it's definitely um, one that I can't put on the back burner. It's just the way my life is. And if I don't see that, um, that's a no brainer for me. I, I, I respect all relationships, but I've learned in my foundation, I will not force it. Love is not forced. Love is not bought. Love is not um, compromised. Uh, love is natural and love doesn't hurt. Love is a receiving and giving in any relationships, even a child and a daughter or, or a, a you know, parent and a child and uh, siblings. It's a give and take. It can't be done effectively with just one at work. Mm. It's a two-way thing. And so um, when I get to, um, if we're on the same page and we want a more beneficial uh, a relationship, a stronger bond, it takes work. It takes someone to be determined to um, fight. You know, uh, what, what, is, what, what can I do? What can I sacrifice? Not just that one person. So I've learned to um, deal with that in a more gentle way because I've had ex episodes that, um, and it was trying because I remember being um, young and um, one of my first break meltdown was um, a candy bowl um, that was designated just for me. And um, I think I put this in the book and um I remember coming home one day, or I don't know if I was coming home or actually, rec you know, recognized it at, at one one time passing it, that someone had been in the bowl. Now, I was the only minor. I was the only child that was um, adopted from my um, paternal aunt. So I was always on the young surf. So I know it was no kid there, but someone went in that bowl without asking, without me knowing. And it took me back. Um, to when I was little, I mean, all the way when I was dropped off and no one clearly said anything. I know my dad said, I'll be back, which that ended up being a lie. He didn't come back um, to get me or for me to stay with him and, be, and reunite or, um, or my mother. I never, I really hadn't really heard from her. And when I did hear from her, when I was there, it was just like, I was, you know, an outsider. I wasn't really her child. So um, I melt down. I went into a crying rage, like how dare someone do this to me without any justification and here we go without any control. So yeah, I had to put, and so doing marriages and stuff, I had to put um, that in perspective and writing that whole entire journey of my life gave me um, an acceptance and a sense to uh, continue to work with my therapist to get where I'm at now in my seasons of life to, um, as you were talking about, I love that word, the process of um, um, that um, justification or that entitlement to um, uh, clearly do something to me beyond my control because that's just a realistic of life that, that things are going to happen. And I had to learn to be able to accept it in a um, reasonable way, but understand where I, why I have to work at that. And then to set boundaries and standards. Now hear this, when it comes to my personal life, when it comes to my relationship, because I got sucked into that, silent cry as one of those chapters and accepting anything. Mm. No, I don't, you know, accepting anything. Like we were just talking about the forced love and what just, okay, physical abuse is fine. Uh, be little to me, that's fine. Um, if I'm worth that, that's fine. It, it, dismiss the fighting. If this is how you're going to fight for my love, okay, this is acceptable. No. So, I, you know, like you said, I had to work with that process to 
to um, get a balance and to understand that difference. Yeah. yeah, well, we accept the love we think we deserve. And mm -hmm. when your self-worth is at the very bottom, yeah, you will accept love that you definitely don't deserve. Right. But it's it takes, like you said, you having boundaries with yourself to to say this, I won't accept this kind of love or this kind of behavior. And mm -hmm. it is powerful to love yourself enough to dictate what those boundaries are, I think. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and I had to work with that, Chloe. I had to, um, you know, um, every day is a process, but um, it's very rewarding to um, invest in me and love me. Yeah. Uh, um, accept me for who I am and um, love me and uh, portray that love for me so that that person, even my child, um, can see the love that I have for me to love me even better, if that's yeah. what they have inside of them to give. Yeah, absolutely. Well, could you talk to me about how you became a minister and what that journey was like for you? Well, I was... Um, called in the ministry when I was in my like early 20s and um, I was married uh, that was my second marriage and um, I it, it I, I really believe the calling was way uh, back in um, as a child but uh, it had to be cultivated and accepted and mm. I always I always felt I had some spiritual connection um, that um, started from the foundation of my adopted dad um, he instilled in me and I used to witness this was the thing that observation is very critical when you have children and you're uh, um, gifted with children, regardless whether they're biologically yours or not, just the um, observation and the words that you say to these, you know, these, this gift um, is very powerful. So he would say to me, he said, um, Kimmy, he said, that's where I got the Kimmy from, it was from my adopted dad. He said, uh, Kimmy, he said, um, first he would try to boost my self-esteem that was always brought down from my adopted mom, from my skin tone to my features, from the thick lips, from the thick nose and everything like that. But he would try to invest in. Um, and so even with remembering that, I also remember him always saying, stop hiding your smile. Your smile is lights up everybody else. So he says, life, he says, uh, I, Kimmy, I need you to smile. <laughs> you know, just don't try to hide your smile. But anyway, he would, um, he started that foundation of, uh, he said, Kim, Kimmy, you know, you know, daddy loves you. Um, daddy Bill loves you. That's what I had, you know, would, would call him. And he said, um, but God loves you more than daddy Bill. I want you to know that. And this was at a young, young age. And I'm like, this God. <laughs> But he would say, yeah, he said, you know, uh, God loves you more than Daddy Bill. God, Daddy Bill really loves you. And I want you to always know that and remember that. But God loves you more than I love you. And um, he would always pray. Um, I used to witness him praying to this God and um, singing spirituals in the, in the household and reading his Bible. Um, not, it would be any given time that I would go past his recliner or his chair and um, he would pull out his Bible and start reading and he would sometimes read out loud, which I would be hearing scriptures, especially his favorite ones and um, or he praying in the middle of the night and um, petitioning to God um, to give him wisdom and to um, help him get strengthen him. And, and I'm listening at this and I remember my going through a um, thing in my life about my my um my biological parents missing them I never not ever hear this I never not ever wanted to be reunited with my parents mm. um I always wanted it I had to accept that that would never happen but I always wanted it so um I remember going through an episode where um I would be yearning and crying out for to go and see my siblings and and my birth mother especially and um my adopted mom would, you know, out of her own intentions and out of her own, um, because she couldn't have any children. So this was like her break of having a child of her own and not accepting that this child came from someone 
you know, some a family that she knew of and she would never accept that. So she would come out, you know, lashing with, out with her own feelings of wanting to be this mother um, and say, I can't understand why you would want to be with someone that hurt you. Why some, why would you be with someone that wouldn't, that didn't want you, that wanted to give you away and, and that, mis, that mistreated you? And he would stop her. I mean, it, it, you know, it would ring into my ears. And I think he felt that spiritual connection that he had to break very quickly because that could have formed hate. That could have formed bitterness, you know, and he would stop her and he would say, and it was not one time, it was maybe several times he would say, little mom, we're not going to do this. We're not going to put this in her. God is a loving God. Kimmy, you forgive. I understand you love, you should love. And that was, that was it. He would absolutely stop her. So I started that foundation of, um, through him of knowing who this God is and that he was a forgiving God. He was a God of love. And obviously I had to be created in love, but there was something still, there was a lot of missing pieces. Like why wasn't I kept? Um, what was something about me? But it, it started processing that God was a God of love. And obviously this love he had for me, I was wrapped up in human form to to this world, <laughs> to this world. And so, and so um, I remember my initial prayer in sixth grade. And I talk about this in the book um, because um, I didn't want to be different. I never wanted to feel like a victim and I never wanted anybody to look at me different. I feel sorry for me. So um, being in resource um, all those years and being bullied and stuff, I remember saying a um, prayer, uh, just a child prayer that um, God just, I, I don't want to be different, just touch me. And uh, it was a miraculous, when I say it was a miraculous touch on my mind in seventh and eighth grade, I tested out, I was in honor roll, you would never had known that I struggled through my elementary years and paper said I wouldn't read or write effectively. Now, let me tell you, Chloe, me and you ever get together, you're going to be like, Lord, here, I know God had touched you, but I need you to get it together. <laughs> because I will say some off the wall things and you'll be like, no, you, that the bus does not come before the wheel. <laughs> or the, or the, or the, uh, whatever, you got this totally backwards. <laughs> But um, it's all good. It's all good. And like I said, but um, that was a miraculous healing. And so that spiritual connection, I always knew. So it took me in the 20s. I started dreaming, preaching or ministering and reading, quoting scriptures until I accepted the call. I was in my second marriage and I did my trial sermon underneath my um, um, the pastor that the church that they grew, they um, brought me up in. Um, mm. It was only one church that they brought me up in, um, my adopted parents, and that was um, an AME Zion church. Um, and uh, it, it was a pastor there that had been there for years. I talk about that in the book. And um, I, he ended up being, I called him Pop-Up Matt. And I did my um, trial sermon underneath him. Now, through those ministry, through those ministry years, I will tell you this, it was a struggle. I was very young. Um, when I say it was a struggle, it was more struggle of it being accepted um, young. Um, it was it's, it's, it's kind of um, denominational churches, a kind of stereotype where I can witness. I went through um, the um, protocol of the attire, not wearing open toe shoes. They were more concerned about my attire than me being physically uh, in an abusive relationship. Um, wow. I had more, um, females outside of the ministerial staff that pulled me under their wing than I had actually inside the ministerial staff due to jealousy and envy. It was, it was so crazy. And also I had been, uh, pulled in the office many a times of how transparent, um, in denomination churches, some of them, I'm not going to say all of them because I don't want to get all the, I know I had witnessed that um, the more open you are and realistically and truthful um, and authentic and genuine about life and about your crosses that you bear, um, the more you're an outcast. And so mm -hmm. I end up understanding that I minister every day. I'm ministering now. I don't have to be behind the pulpit. 
when I share my journey and I share how God had provided me with hope and faith from a child and the love and how I constantly uh, pray to him and seek his face and have my firm belief in that this too shall pass. If he brought me here, he'll sure enough keep bringing me through wherever I have to go um, is enough for me is um, I don't have to be behind anyone's pulpit. If you want me there, then that's fine. I'm going to still be transparent. I'm going to still get what God tells me or speaks through me to give. But um, I had to really understand my calling. Um, and God showed me in many ways that it was just not behind the pulpit or in denominational. Yeah. Yeah. Because I believe that transparency is something that connects people together yeah. if you're vulnerable and transparent people can see pieces of themselves in right in your right. story and your journey right but then again then again I guess there are others who perhaps don't want the vulnerability yeah. and the transparency so it's yeah. it is a bit difficult mm -hmm. so tell me about your book so it's my journey. <laughs> it's my journey from the beginning. Um, um, I, I put that picture on there because of that was the first. Um, and that's the only picture that I had possessing in my possession. I have no uh, baby pictures, infant pictures, and pictures of that normally that people that kids would have of their either one of their parents when they were little. So um, that was very significant for me. And um, the um, person that did my um, book design, um, we thought about the background and he came up with the water with the ripples. And I said, that is perfect. But that is um, a start um, and the ways represented that my, my journey was not just smooth it was some waves that I had to go through ripples I had to go through in life to where I'm at now and um so it starts everyone from my um my foundation because I couldn't have anyone start anywhere else and it goes all the way through um my elementary years to all of my marriages to every one of my births of my children the first time I had my child uh, my first child, I was 15, that altered my life forever. And um, I would have turned, well, I turned 16, August 13th. She was born July 31st. And at that time, I was the youngest at our local hospital um, having a child um, around nothing but older, you know, older women, women that were married and stuff like that. And I had um, put myself, as my parents said, as my biological mother said, in a position where um, when I said alter my life, I was told that regardless of how this pregnancy came about, I was a woman. So no more birthday parties. They all go to my children. I am a woman. And so well, I had to mentally, and I see, I had to accept while I was writing that book, mentally that did something to me because hearing that and knowing this was the expectation for them when I came home from the hospital with this baby is that I had to do all that I could do to walk into a woman's shoes, whether I was physically ready, mentally ready, emotionally ready, or spiritually ready. And neither one of them I was, but I did the best I could. Mm, yeah. But I do know that she changed my life forever. That baby, um, that first baby, uh, cultivated all the rest of my children that's why I couldn't put leave any of my pregnancies out that you just know that I was in different seasons of my life but that child that pregnancy was so profound of um, knowing that this gift which I was in the shoes at one time would never feel unloved by this mother or yeah. separated or absent in any way yeah yeah I love that I imagine it was cathartic to write your story. I'm wondering if it brought up anything that you hadn't processed before, but you hadn't realized that you hadn't processed. Yeah. Um, the, um, the first sexual molestation 
the uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was profound because I had to um, even at forty eight, even in my forties, understand my sensuality, my sexuality, and the years then looking back of uh, yeah, I never accepted it, and this is why I just was there in the moment. Mm-hmm. you know not enjoying but making sure it's been enjoyed but yeah so yeah. that helped me um openly understand not that it was my fault it's just because that was my start I had to accept that was my start and it did something to me mentally about sex about sexuality yeah. it was very confusing I was very young. I mean, 12 years old. Yeah. 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 It's experiences that you have in life shape the seasons that you have, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the traumatic ones, I think that we bury them because Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's too painful to us Mm -hmm. to, to remember but I do think that it's incredibly healing to to realize it and like you said, heal from it and yeah. know that it's not, it wasn't your fault. Right, right. You know, my my biological, I mean, my adopted dad passed away not, not ever knowing. Mm. Like you said, uh, I, you know, try to bury it. I try to bury it. Yeah. And when I told my adopted mom, the first thing she said, and this is why I, I, I work very hard and breaking generational curse, but her response was, I'm, I'm glad your, your dad never knew because he would have, he would have wanted to kill him. Mm. Not, I'm sorry that happened, not a recognition, not, you know, but then again, you know, some people do only what they know how to, how to do. And yeah. I don't think she ever knew how to love me or how to accept this gift has came from someone else. And you have to accept that this child has a personality that needs to be um, cultivated in her own and her own right from mm-hmm. her own genes, um, accepting just who she is, you know, and that she did not come from your genes, you know, she's, you know, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so um, um, that was a that was um, like you said, that was pretty hard. But I believe God knows all, and if He wanted um, my adopted dad to know, He would probably. I know for a fact that my acceptance would have been a long time ago. But this is a testimony for someone else, and for someone else to embrace, it may take you know where you know. Um, Finally, you're there to open, to open yourself up to those. Um, once you invest in yourself and understand where uh, these toxic things come from, these unhealthy relationships come from, these um, negative thoughts, this um, um, un- uh, um, uneasy feeling all the time, um, um, nightmares, dreams um, come from. And um, when you accept it and uh, learn how to treat it and learn how to and, and to be open with it, regardless of if they, the person um, that has some type of part in it is still living or not, um, to free yourself, mm. to free yourself. It's, 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 it's definitely uh, uh, an investment that um, I would share with anyone is worth the it's worth the freedom. It's, it's worth the freedom. And um, I used to be sad that uh, he didn't, he died never knowing, but I've accepted that it was not meant for him to, but me to go through the process. And because I, it, it, you know, that was my only protector. Mm. I found him as, and, and he wasn't biologically my father, but after being raised with him and the guidance and the um, foundation he he invested in himself to give me about Christ and, and about love and about forgiveness. And he showed it. He showed it by kindness and actions that uh, 
he was the my pretty much first love of this is my protector not mm -hmm. only my provider but my protector this is my father yeah yeah that's that's lovely mm -hmm. well you said that you hope to use your life story to raise awareness for others and empower others and inspire yes. others can you talk a little bit about what you hope your story can give to other people? Yeah, well, um, never give up. I know that as strange as my story is, I know that, and I've accepted and I've always never forgot that someone's story may be worse than mine. Mm. Um, but if my story um, can bring this hope and light that um, I never lost, then I want to share that you don't have to lose it either because um, I didn't. And there was many times that I wanted to give up. There was many times I wanted to give in. There was many times, hear this, that I ran. I was a runner, um, mm. ran from my hometown because I, 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 I couldn't accept that my um, adopted, I mean, my biological mother, my biological siblings are still in the hometown and they're living this life um, that I'm absent from, just like I've never existed. Mm. And um, continued in abusive relationships because I thought that I was only worthy of such action and behavior. And that um, if it started to create or form another person that I know that I wasn't, then this must have been met for my life and it wasn't. And, and I, I believe that there's millions of people like that mm. and are, um, and, and it's stuck. And if they don't hear it from someone else that's been there, then how would they know? But I want, and I always want anyone and everyone to hear my story, to understand that the courage that I had and the faith that I had in God to um, recognize running is not the answer. Mm. You know, working three jobs and um, going to school just to compensate, just to work myself to death so I don't have to sit still to think or to feel didn't help. Mm. Um, I never got into alcohol or drugs, but I got into relationships that I knew that I, 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 I felt unworthy of and knew in the back of my mind that it, it was going to happen again. The hit was going to happen again. And if it didn't happen again, I knew that they were capable of doing it, mm -hmm. which is even worse to hurt me. Yeah. Um, um, and to stay in it um, was um, because I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to feel abandoned. Mm. I didn't want to feel um, the fear of starting over. Yeah. So I've been there and um, I had to put all the fear and put all the pain and put all the traumatic experiences and put all the what ifs and what if not, what, what if not happens um, in God's hands and say, and accept that God made us all human beings in love to be loved and yeah. to receive love and to give love and give them in the right way and to support one another. And not only that, but a scripture always rings in my mind and I can't never let that scripture go is to live life abundantly, mm. live life abundantly. And, um, and, and I made a decision. I, I had to make the choice. And I want everyone to know that when you get tired enough to make that choice, first, it's got to start with you to make that choice of wanting the best quality of life, the best you that you could ever be for the ones that will accept you and love you. Yeah. Um, you make that change. You make that choice things will work in your favor. Things will work out for your good. 
And even with the traumatics and the pains and the disappointments and the rejections and abandonment, I had to accept they were met for me to go through for to help someone else because I could have checked out. I could have gave in. I could have continued the roads that I were going and not recognize or not seek help and say, um, take my life. Um, it's not worth all this. I don't want to move on. I don't, I, 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 what for, you know, this is a dead end. So because someone else says, you know, um, they're going to kill you, you kill yourself first, mm. you know, complete the job before they, they do all that mentality, all that thinking I had to recognize, where is it coming from? Yeah. And is this me? No, because this is not what God had meant for my life to be like. And so once you understand that, and I, I just want my journey to, to shout that out as I'm talking and as they read the book to shout that out, that that's, I had to accept my journey wasn't for that, wasn't, wasn't meant to check out, wasn't meant to give in, wasn't meant to, to um, not have a husband or not be able to um, be blessed by my lifetime partner and then feel blessed in sexuality but understand where it was broken and trust God to mend to heal yeah. and to continue to move forward in my yeah. journey and to recognize your worth and your worthiness yes. as well yes yeah 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 well I think your journey is inspiring and <laughs> empowering and everything that this podcast is about Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to ask you the Neon Woman questions because sure. the whole theme of Neon Woman is about the, the colors that women have to share in the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they get dim because life isn't always bright and colorful. Right. But, and I, I like to be vulnerable and share those moments, but I always like to bring it back around to to how we do shine bright because I think it's incredibly powerful. Yes, yes. So my first question Absolutely. is, <laughs> what is the one song you play to brighten your neon colors? Right off the top of my head, um, Smile by Kirk Franklin. Mm, I love that. I have a playlist on Spotify, so I'll add that. <laughs> That off the top of my head, I, and I, I listened to a lot of it, but um, I used to praise dance off of that. I remember um, teaching a group, my um, previous church group that danced, and I still can remember the moves that we had, but most, most, the most things that I remember is his lyrics and that um, when you're down, you know, and, um, and uh, uh, you feel so much better. Um, it's just an um, affirmation that re regardless, um, I've learned to, uh, smile through it all, you know, now, yeah, sometimes I have to cry, but then at that time <laughs> I get, get done crying and I'm starting chuckling, you know, <laughs> because yeah. I want to get, you know, get that, get that smile out. Like, okay, God, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to erase that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, Kimberly, what about love is wild to you? What is it about love that is wild to me? Um, hmm. I would say right now that I've learned that it is so wild to me is that diversity how love has been impacting my life um, from different cultures, from letting me see it has no color. Mm -hmm. That, I'm glad you asked that question. That has been absolutely wild to me, is feeling that and accepting and acknowledging that, that I have been prepared and going through a journey in my life that God has loved me so much that has um, 
shown me the diversity of love and it has no color and the different cultures that has embraced accepting and loving me as a human. Yeah, I love that. Love knows no bounds. What about your fashion sense is original? What about my what? Fashion. Fashion? Yeah. Woo! Um, mm. I am telling you, um, being 48 and almost 50, I am like, I'm loving it because I'm, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I, I love my walks. I'm starting to take care more about my body. And I'm like, when I put on my clothes, jeans, or even skirts, and, and uh, I remember one of my friends was saying, okay, you got a jacket on and no, and, and a dress with no, <laughs> no pantyhose, no socks and, and um, little boots. And I was like, in the back of my mind, I will wear short and boots <laughs> with my legs so short. But I'm like, but more so than that is that I'm rocking with it. Like yeah. I'm loving and embracing that I have this fashion sense that I can wear it, look good in wearing it, and it's comfortable. Yes, comfort. A hundred percent. What do you do to keep your mindset magnificent? Mm, um, what do I do? Um, I take time for me. Mm. I, I take time for me. Even if I have to cancel my getting together with the girls' plans, if I'm not in a mentality or a place that so much is going on, like I'm going through right now, I will cancel and get away mm. and um, learn to um, find the most effective way to pour, pour back in me. Because I can't keep pouring out and not taking care of myself. And I can't, and I have learned, this is not my children's responsibility. This is not a lifetime partner's responsibility. This is not a friend responsibility. This is not a parent responsibility. This is my responsibility. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving that to um, invest in me more and more Sometimes I work from home, so I'm remote. Sometimes I will listen at um, my um, music throughout my whole work day. Then sometimes I'll be guided to turn Netflix on and see if I can find an old um, um, culture movie, which I found one day this week. And it was enlightening. So I take day by day of investing in myself and doing exactly what will benefit my spirit yeah yeah I love that where is the most adventurous place you've traveled to oh where's the most adventurous (laughs) I haven't yet um I would say um when my godmother the one that I talked about in the book that was led to me um, from seeing me speak at a women's conference, took me on my first cruise to um, um, Cancun, Mexico. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I said that right, but- Yeah, um, I think so. Okay, um, we were all Caribbeans. Um, I still have that little picture up there, but um, in, the, in my office, but um, that was one of the because here I I never I never got on a boat I never uh, went on a plane and this woman out of nowhere was like invited me with her friends to go on my first cruise so that was so adventurous and we stopped you know um, you know how cruises stop and to that desti- destination and we got out and we did a little traveling and we took pictures on the rock and the ocean and and it was just adventurous now. I, I'm, I'm just just praying that I find more, I, God will lead me to more adventurous places, like visiting you in Australia. Yes, <laughs> you're always welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so I am, I am so loving wanting to travel, but um, that was very, that was very much my first and I will never forget it experience. Yeah, amazing. Well, what is necessary to you to have a healthy lifestyle? 
I put the word healthy in quotes because I don't always just mean, you know, food. Yeah, yeah. Um, the most necessary, the, the most necessary um, yeah. thing in, in life that to have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, whew, um, choosing me, loving me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, choosing me. That's a daily and I've struggle for me. If I, if from the very beginning, if 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 I don't choose me first thing, um, it, it, and it's crazy because it used to be my children all the way even up until my minor, it was um, living for her. Mm. I said, even some challenges and situations has thrown me into she wasn't enough. Mm. She wasn't enough for me to pull through. Yeah. that I had to get it, that it, I had to do it for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I'm learning every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My last question, what does being a neon woman mean to you? Being a neon woman means I have the support and love of my sisters and every culture there is that I can and I will shine my light brightly. Mm. Um, And that any situations and circumstances and challenges that will come to dim, that I was made to shine bright and keep shining. Yeah. I love that. Well, Kimberly, where can people buy your book? Where can they connect with you? Tell me all of it. Well, um, I'm still on Amazon. Um, they can buy my book on Amazon. Um, I have a website as Kimberly Ann with the E Bell, all one word. Um, so it's Kimberly Ann Bell. I'm also on Facebook at Kimberly Bell, um, B E L L, and um, on my website, you'll be able to, um, in my, in Facebook, you'll be able to see, um, how to, um, you know, buy my book and, um, you'll see different, um, podcasts I'm in. And you, and if anyone would ever want to, um, have me come to speak, I'm open to traveling and, and speaking and sharing my journey and sharing any, um, topics that they feel that, um, would be a, an asset and a beneficial, beneficial for um in this day and time for to inspire or to enlighten and and help others to um increase their faith and their strength yeah yeah wonderful thank you so much for your time this morning it's been wonderful thank you so much Louie, for having me i appreciate it it has been an honor it's been an honor and thank you so much for allowing your platform to have me i appreciate it Thank you for sharing your story. It's just, you're so so inspiring and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Neon Woman podcast. Neon Woman was produced by me, Chloe, and Neon Network Production. Make sure to follow us on Instagram or check out neonwoman.com for all the latest episodes, blog posts, and more.